0: All right, boys, Sports Psych like MDs here. This is episode number 41.
1: We're ready. What's up? What's going on, y'all? How you doing? So happy to be back. You know, it's always great to be back with our fan.
0: I like how you call them fans. I love always it. Always
1: great. I love it. Um, love so they're fans yeah. now, man. We're ready because now that we have this program manager, now that we have this like, guy that you guys met on the last episode, right? Benjamin Vogel. Remember that name. He is our Sports icon D's ambassador, uh, and he has done an amazing job, extraordinary, really, just in the last couple of weeks. Absolutely. um, Just acquiring all of these great interviews. I mean, he's just lining them up, right, one by one. Um, We had to go and get this uh, young stud from New York to come come, come on the scene and, uh, You know, take over our social media. Future mental um, health
0: professional. Really take things to another level. Absolutely. Yes, he is. Well, we're we're excited to have him. And the reason we bring that up, who we have on the podcast today, is actually the first interview Benjamin brought us. And that was Cyrus Ramon Pattinson. Well, you know, here's the
1: thing, man. We talked to this guy. And uh, I'm a believer. I mean, we talked to him literally from 6,000 miles away. Okay. He's from the UK and lives in the UK and fights for the UK. And here we are in LA, you know, talking to this guy through this, you know, Zoom meeting. And I could tell, even with like a non HD kind of like visual that I was having, this man was serious. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was not, he was not bullshitting. Everything he said, I, I believed, you know, he had the, that look in his eye. And, you know, it's that look of just, raw comments, and I, I imagine it's that same look that he gives people that he fights when they step in the center of the ring right before the, you know the bell rings to start round one that's a that's an important meeting right there that that right there I've seen a lot of fighters show signs of weakness right from that moment and it usually does not go well for them from that point forward so
0: so yeah, we yeah. today we have Cyrus from Patson.
1: Cyrus was uh, was really interesting. To talk yeah,
0: to you. he joined us all the way from England, so um, thanks for sh- staying up late with us, Cyrus and and having a little fun with us. But yeah, so he's he's a amateur boxer in Great Britain, and he he was actually hoping to make the Tokyo Olympics this summer, but obviously that's been postponed till next summer, so we'll have to wait on that. But this is someone he'll t- tell well, us. We're happy about that it.
1: he missed it because he got to talk to us. Absolutely, yeah.
0: So I learned a whole lot about boxing. We learned a whole lot about what's the differences between amateur and professional boxing. But most importantly, we learned a whole lot about Cyrus's journey, and it's an interesting one if you enjoy the parallels between team sports and individual sports. and if you like hearing about someone that embodies all these characteristics we talk about, resilience, being grateful, being mindful in creating goals for yourself and having that passion, that drive to succeed, and and this is someone you, Armin you touched on earlier, based just based on a short conversation with him, I know he's he's destined to be successful. He, as far as I'm concerned, with these attributes that I just mentioned that he already possesses, he's already someone that's successful. So I, I'm I'm excited for you guys to hear this podcast episode. Gets me fired up a little bit and get there in the ring.
1: Oh yeah, no for sure. I mean, listen, this guy. I, I, was, I was, man, I was really inspired by him. I mean, for me, you know, a guy much younger than I am, I, I must say I was inspired. I mean, you know, he opened up, you know, he opened up, um, you know, about his upbringing, um, you know, his family, you know, those dynamics. And, but, you know, he got in some trouble at school, you know, and basically found boxing as like an outlet, right? I mean, he played team sports and he played football. Try that out. And he was like, you know what, man, I'd be out there giving him my all. And I just couldn't understand why other guys couldn't be on that level. And he's like, I just couldn't bear the idea of, of having to lose in, in competition because of what other guys weren't willing to bring, you know? And that, that hit me. I was like, wow. Cause he's really the first he wants uh, all the combat sport guy that I've really had an opportunity to, yeah, to interview before. And so I really didn't, Comple- i was i was. that was one of my first questions i had for him i was like man I, I just i'm curious to know how as someone that did play team sports um and even into the high school level had how, how what was it like to just transition into like something where it was about just you and he hit me with that and i was like man okay <laughs> you know what i mean i got it like i understand
0: and yeah he he just he touches on a lot of things he's done to become successful in that sport so yeah, it's a fascinating conversation for sure. Um, and someone that, like you mentioned before, someone that seems older, or more mature than than his age. He's only twenty six years old. Uh, so, and he's a southpaw too. We didn't get too much into yeah. the technique. I, I, we don't. We didn't, didn't ask him about like his style of fighting. Um, but he sounds like he likes to go out yeah. there and knock people's heads off. Doesn't sound like he's a defensive boxer. Like, before, oh yeah, no, day.
1: no, <laughs> no. He he goes for it for sure. He goes. He goes for it. I mean,
0: he fights at the welterweight division.
1: He's welterweight, yeah. And uh, a lot of the great boxing world champions in in the history of the sport were at the welterweight level. Um, you know, it, it's sort of a it, it, the welterweight level is cool because you know if you if you compare them to like heavyweights, most people, you know, most people in the world, they're not going to really identify with heavyweight boxers. I mean, those are huge guys oftentimes you know you think about Mike the Mike Tyson's of the world you think about you know Evander Holyfield you know Riddick Bowe you know Lennox Lewis we were talking about him earlier Tory back in the day of course Muhammad Ali you know George Foreman these were big men you know and then you got Tyson Fury nowadays he's giants he's, in yeah. the heavyweight division um, and actually I can't you really have identify skill just like LeBron you know like, Oh, yeah, they're fast. They have this crazy endurance, like marathon-type you know, level endurance, and, and they can take a, a are hit. Are you trying or, to
0: tell you know, me that you would, crazy. you would box at welterweight if, if you were a boxer?
1: What I'm saying is, yeah, most people, they look at welterweights and they feel like, oh, okay, I could be like that guy. I mean, you know, that's the size that makes sense for, for me. So I feel like it's something you can really get into. And, I, you know, like Rocky was more of a middleweight, I think, kind of guy and welterweight's
0: not far well welterweight i far think behind that so is just a beautiful size because they're small enough so they're quick but they're also yeah they can also have yeah. knockout power and someone for a lot of people who don't know like uh combat sports like mma or boxing they if you're you make 147 as your cutoff weight which is cutoff weight for welterweight and boxing most of these guys probably walk around around 160 170 easy and they'll cut all that weight to get there for fight week, and then put on. Usually, they weigh in the night before the fight, and then they'll put back on like ten to fifteen pounds before the fight even starts. So they're walking in the ring, even though it's a one forty-seven pound limit, they're probably walking in the ring closer to one sixty. Oh my god! And I'm looking at Cyrus's picks and he looks pretty, pretty jacked up.
1: Oh, he's yeah, no, he's a scary looking dude. And here's the thing too, like I. I do have some personal experience with boxing because, um, you know, as an Air Force Academy cadet in our first year, um, our gym class, one of our gym classes is boxing. Um, and that's like a semester thing that we got to do. And we do, some, we do combat sports like as, as part of our, our like, physical education program throughout that, that curriculum. But the first year, first semester, I did boxing. Nice. And you know, uh, uh, well, here's a, here's got hands? like, <laughs> I I was a random guy. I was just a random guy. I, I wasn't like an intercollegiate athlete, but I happened to be in the same class as guys from the wrestling team. So <laughs> that was that was interesting for me. I had to really like, you know, step up
2: mm-hmm. to the to
1: the plate. You know, these were dudes that knew how to fight, and they were you know in pretty good shape. I hadn't really done much in my last year of, of high school, and I came in. I'm not gonna lie, I came into the academy into basic training, a little out of shape. Um, by the time first semester rolled around, I started boxing. I had a you know a couple of months of basic training under my belt. I will tell you what, I've never in my life you know I, I ran track in high school, you know I played football, um, and then you know later on I actually you know dabbled and played a little tennis. So I was a little well rounded. Um, as you know, like we play golf now, you know, I was, I was better actually when I was a kid. So, you know, I, I was kind of well-rounded with sports. I never could in my life felt so exhausted than I did after one minute, one minute round of boxing. Like I literally sat, like sat down in the corner, I remember after that one minute round, And I thought I was going to just like die, like it was crazy. And I'm not gonna say I was like a great like well conditioned athlete at that point. It felt like that after one minute of, you know, and it's just something about like you're literally doing, you're moving every part of your body, like everything. Like people don't understand what, first off just dancing around for a minute continuously is a lot, but then you're moving your arms like really hard. And not only you're moving your arms, like you have like this high adrenaline thing going on where you're like really exhausting yourself just because of the panic and the anxiety of the moment, just mm-hmm. worry about being hit. And of course, when you're not a great boxer, you're just expending so much energy, you have no efficiency in what you're doing. Everything you're doing takes all your energy away, yeah. pretty much, and you're trying to like, you're basically just brawling. You're on edge, right? you're on As fight or flight like, the whole just time. Ha- you're, you're, throwing, you're throwing haymakers. You're just throwing haymaker, just, you know, and it's like you're dancing around and then you get hit in like the gut, you know, and, you, and you're just like, and I'm telling you, man, it, wow, like I have so much respect for, for guys in combat sports generally, but especially boxing, man, like it's because you're doing everything its the cardio and intensity sort of like yeah you know, it's, it's mono like, a mono inside know, that lifting type workout plus it's like this constant anxiety like you, you know at least in football for example you kind of turn it off and turn it on like it's like when the ball is in play like you're, you're on you're on edge but when the ball's not and you're just kind of chilling you know like wait for the next place so it's you can get you can kind of get focused you don't really have that really in boxing at least when you're in the ring and at any point in time that knockout blow can come if you know if you're not really expecting it, if you're not really like protecting yourself. And so here's the thing, the ring for the first time, you don't really have like the right position in terms of how to like really defend yourself like the way that a Floyd Mayweather defends himself, which yeah. is shoulder roll. Completely amazing the way that he's able to move around and just you know just protect himself and absorb every every you don't have that when you first start out. So you just gotta get him tagged. And and then you, the anxiety builds even more. Man, it's wow, yeah. it's wow. And you got to really, uh, you, you got to really want it. You yeah. got to really want it to be able to keep doing that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd recommend. Yeah. Not not everyone, everybody's built for that sparring experience, but I'd recommend just getting some gloves on, and hitting a pads or a heavy bag. It's it's exhausting. It's a great workout. Um, but yeah, I think that's why. I, boxing especially in america great workout was is one of our pastimes along with baseball like boxing throughout the country especially england too where cyrus is from but just we talked about jack johnson back in the game changers and trailblazers episode probably a lot of people consider one of the best heavyweights of all time and the first african-american to become heavyweight champion yeah. and ever since then we've had not only like superstar athletes but superstar athletes that have transcended sports that came through boxing I mean, Muhammad Ali, Joe Frazier, Foreman, oh, yeah. oh, yeah. uh, Mike Tyson, yeah. and then Floyd Mayweather. Yeah. And we got a few uh, a few kind of breaking through now, but it's just kind of... I remember being 10 years and old. I'll be curious. about Sugar Ray? Yeah, I'm, I want to hear about Sugar Ray. But my first memory of boxing... I think I was 10 years old. I remember watching the... T- we had just moved to Indiana, and my dad ordered the Mike Tyson-Vander Holyfield 2 fight, where obviously it wasn't a very good fight because Mike bit Evander's ear off. So it was entertaining nonetheless. That was interesting, but I think that happened in like third or fourth round pretty early on. Yeah. And then we watched the Mike Tyson, uh, Lennox Lewis fight in 2000.
1: Huge. I remember that was in Vegas, right? Yeah. Man, that was a, a big money fight. I can't believe he did that. It wasn't until the whole world was watching that fight. I remember that was yeah. crazy.
0: The sad part is I didn't I never got to see like live, at least I don't rem- remember seeing live Mike Tyson at his prime. Because I got I caught him late in ninety seven when I was ten.
1: Wow. Yeah, I I watched I was always really, really into sports, a huge sports fan from so early on. So all of my early memories were watching sports and stuff. And I remember like definitely the Tyson fights, but but I remember I, I was even that kid that I would go and watch tapes of like stuff and tapes of like Mike Tyson fights. You know, certain relatives of mine had like recorded VHS cassette tapes of things. And like, I remember just being in awe. And HBO, HBO was great too for uh, boxing history. And, you know, they always would show like older fights. And anyway, I, I remember just being so amazed. Like, I would just be so amazed at Mike Tyson. He wowed me as a child the same way that Michael Jordan wowed me, the same way that I think a lot of people were wowed by Tiger Woods when he came onto the golf scene. Just this level of dominance and just fear that he he was able to to create. And not just for his opponent, even for just everybody. (laughs) Like everybody, I just... I remember just having butterflies in my stomach, watching what was going to happen to like the other guy that Tyson was fighting, and like honestly, before, before the bell even rung. And and Tyson, because he looked really scary, like mm. he looked really menacing. He was just chiseled, like a like a rock solid. But he just he had this flat affect. We talk about this all the time in psychiatry: flat affect, where. I mean, but it wasn't even flat. It wasn't, it was flat in terms of like any like positive emotion, but it wasn't even like negative emotion either, it was just more like absolute focus and like contained range. It was almost like he was just in a, just in the zone, like from the moment mm-hmm. they stepped into the ring. And and it was like, he would be, he would honestly defeat his opponents before it even started. Cause you could tell they were scared of him and they were big men, oftentimes twice his size. I've seen this. was so impressive. It was like the, the bigger they were, the worse they got beat. That's what was so crazy with this guy. Like he was a little guy in terms of height, you know? So like, obviously he was like solid and massive, but he was very short and he would have these like Tyson Fury type dudes that would roll up in there and he would just knock them the fuck mm. out. And I'm not even joking. Like, it was like within the first 30 seconds, like these dudes, and they weren't even, here's the thing, Tori, they weren't even just getting like beat. Like, you know, so like think about this last fight, we saw Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. Like that was, you know, it, it still went several rounds, you know, even though Fury was clearly in this most recent fight, the more dominant fighter and just the better overall fighter. And you could say he probably could have won the fight earlier. Like, I'm telling you, man, it was never, it was rarely extended rounds. Like, Tyson was knocking these dudes out, like, in 30 seconds. Like, just knocking them out. Like, it would be, they would be looking in there, like, you would look at him, and they would look delirious. And they would just be falling, in some cases, out of the ring. It was just, like, amazing. And and he did it every time, you know, just every time he stepped in the ring. No one was really touching him. He was just destroying
0: me (laughs) I've seen those highlights man. I'm thankful that those highlights are available He was a beast and I I, he was open recently about how he felt like he was hypnotized as a teenager um, To become like essentially is what he called a savage in the ring Um, He said his trainer essentially hypnotized him and I know he had a good relationship with his trainer It sounds like that kind of was his holding environment growing up and boxing uh, gave him something he needed. It was absolutely. Um, But he's also admitted to being like he's not as upset or he doesn't have as much anger or hate as he used to. Listen to Mike Tyson now speak on any interview. He sounds so relaxed and calm, although he's getting back in the ring now. training You've seen those videos. He still looks like a beast. Yeah. He's got that ranch, Tyson Ranch, opening up in uh, Southern California. He
1: might have been in Washington. I don't know exactly how that works, but it honestly, I wouldn't be surprised. And I only say that because, man, the, the difference between what I see in a guy like Mike Tyson and even a guy who's as great of a fighter as a, you know, as a Fury, you know, I, there was no holding back, right? Like, there was no, you know, you can pull your punch, you know, which in boxing means like, you know, where you don't put all of your weight and all of your force behind it. And in fact, you sort of like decide maybe almost like mid punch that you don't want to go forward. So you kind of just resist for a minute. And I feel like oftentimes in boxing, I see that because, you know, both fighters are in a defensive, you know, stance and they're, they're looking to defend themselves while also deliver punches, you rarely see guys just going all into it every time with no fear with just no fear you know just no fear at all and it was he would lick literally lunge you know just go into you every you know time just i guess recognizing that he was always going to be a bit faster and or just not caring what you were going to do but he would just go for it every time man and he would get so much out of every punch Um, And he was, he had such a great, obviously low center of gravity. Mm -hmm. It was like I said, the bigger they were, the, the harder they fell with Mike Tyson. That's why, man, when, when Buster Douglas beat him, that really was, I think any true fan of sports, not just boxing sports agrees that truly had to be the greatest upset of all time because Mike was still kind of in his prime. Like he really, you know what I mean, like Oh yeah, that he was, was probably wasn't like old
0: guy like like Muhammad Ali, you know what I mean? He was prime. He was taking advantage of everything that comes with being in your prime and being on top of the boxing world I think at that time and that probably factored into uh losing that match. But I don't think we've seen someone like him since Deontay Wallader with the power he has in that right hand. That's insane. But you can just see that Tyson Fury was able to just piece him up. We'll see in the trilogy that's coming up. I'm excited for that. I'm excited to see uh, Earl Spence Jr. possibly fight Terrence Crawford. That should be good. I want to see Lomachenko fight. I want to see this Ryan. Have you seen this Ryan Garcia kid on Instagram? He looks like Justin Bieber. He's got all the young generation follow him. He's real quick. He's a golden boy productions guy. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah but them. yeah, there's, there's some, some good ones on the scene. and Yeah, it's cool,
1: it's cool to see all the, the legends. They're kind of getting, I guess, in middle age years now. They're like the time promoters. And, and it's like now they're kind of competing on this like more executive level of boxing, you know, in terms of like being the guys that are finding the, the talent and kind of like probably trying to apply like a lot of their own skill set, you know, in terms of like the, the trick. And conditioning programs and so like now you have this sort of like the Mayweather brand versus the De La Hoya brand you know versus all these different like brands like legendary brands kind of oh that's going how you it. make money um, you got so it's gonna be interesting how that plays out yeah that's right that's the next step man that's that's yeah it's the wave of the future for athletes we talk all the time you know LeBron and and is more than an athlete movement, you know, it's a rallying call, right? It's a call to arms, it's a call to action. It's like, look, we are not just like the help anymore. We've come so far. MJ showed us the way, man, when you have supreme talent and you can speak to many different communities of people, you know, many different groups of people uh, and be an ambassador for the whole country at that point, why not?
0: If you're the talent, you should be
1: getting the biggest piece of the pie. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, Not just, yeah, not just like pennies, you know, not just like the leftovers. No,
0: you know. Listen, everyone's, everyone's getting a slice here. Come on. But the athlete, the talent, that should be yeah, the person and, that gets the it, biggest slice.
1: In, in this country, it's really a, a matter of providing quality and, you know, being able to connect with people and being consistent and, um, and ultimately having, like, confidence and, you know, self-awareness and then, you know, appreciation for not only your talent, but the talent of, you know, the people around you and, and the people that helped you get to where you're going. And you pay it back and forward to those folks, and they, you know, everybody, everybody wins. Like the LeBron camp, you know, that we always talk about, you know, his, his guys, his crew. I mean, it can, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And, you know, and it's just great to see athletes collectively on all different levels. You know, boxing is what we're talking about today. Just really getting what they invested into their craft over all these years. You know, it, yeah. and what they did for us as fans and gave
0: us, man, it's amazing. I love it. Mm hmm. It's a whole different conversation if you're talking about individual sports like or combat sports like boxing and UFC because those guys at the top of the game, they're making all the money. The low-level fighters, the, it's, it's tough. It's a grind. It's a grind, especially in the UFC. Boxing is a little bit different because there's amateur, there's professional, um, there's so many different organizations. So uh, I'm not even going to jump into that deep end. But Cyrus today... He he talked a little bit about the differences between amateur and professional boxing. He's considering possibly moving to professional boxing um, and and transitioning away from amateur boxing. So he'll get into that. But I'm excited to have someone on that's going to talk about an individual sport, specifically boxing. Because we have a lot of team sport guys on here. But it was great and it was refreshing to hear someone that, that really wants to control the situation, wants all the pressure on him, wants all the smoke, and can handle it and can thrive with it. And he talks specifically about some of the mindfulness skills he uses, but I love boxing. I love the fact that boxing is kind of on the come up right now across the world. I'm looking forward to Wilder Fury, maybe Joshua Fury, Joshua Wilder. That's at the heavyweight division. Let's not forget about that. Um, And I'm looking forward to the Olympics too. Maybe we should get some, we need to get a few more future Olympians on here. That that could be fun, but yeah, I'm excited. Um,
1: Well, it's cool because boxing has been one of these sports that really, it hasn't been terribly well, you know. The combat sports in general, I guess, haven't been like terribly affected by this pandemic, you know. And they've been putting on a show, and um, it's been fun. And i it's really cool to um, be able to have an opportunity to kind of get into the mind of a fighter. I mean, all the mm-hmm. athletes in general, right, are, are fighters in their, in their own right, in their own respects. But you know, you're talking about a a person that's willing to you know, to really put their kind of life on the line, you know, like, I mean, we've seen what can happen in boxing or, you know, UFC, these type of combat sports when things go wrong. And, you know, just the fact that you're, you're willing to, to kind of put your, yourself in that position. And really, like we said, just you're, you're not, it's not like a couple, you know, minutes here, minutes there. We're talking about, you know, 10, 12, rounds you know um in in boxing and, and these are all brutal <laughs> rounds you know it's just really impressive man like you said earlier it's part of why boxing is such you know a legendary pastime for this country you know it's we are we're always going to appreciate our gladiators and uh what boxing is you know UFC yeah. is our modern day
0: gladiators. so yeah it's cool and speaking of UFC, if, yeah, hopefully you guys, if you're UFC fans or fans of combat sports, you watched uh, that fight between Dustin Poirier and Dan Hooker the other night. That was an amazing five-round fight. They went at it for five rounds straight. It was a bloody war. Uh, both guys left bruised and battered, and it's a shame seeing how beaten up these guys are after this, but nothing but respect after the fight. Um, Doesn't Poirier pulled it off. He's a stud. He can just just about do anything inside that octagon. So check that out if you're a fan of UFC. That was amazing. You probably already heard heard about it. But yeah, I love watching these sports. And one thing Cyrus mentioned, we were kind of talking about the dangers of being in there. It's not just the fact that someone's punching you and you can get injured, but you can get a brain injury. You can get a concussion. And Cyrus touches on that struggle that he's had. Mm-hmm. And so this is something, and we talked about that way back in episode three. Go check that out if you want to hear a little bit more about concussions and how that can cause... Not only physical symptoms like headache, uh, nausea, vomiting, light sensitivity, but also um, psychiatric and emotional issues. So it's, yeah. this is just a great yeah. episode, a great interview that kind of touches it, uh, on everything we talked about it's to this amazing. point.
1: Um, so yeah, know it was also cool. Is uh, you know he's an athlete that I would say uh, has really benefited tremendously from mental health care. Uh, he's had the benefit of Um, medical treatment and therapy uh, that has been really mental fitness oriented in terms of trying to help him stay in the zone, you know, and and really focused on his preparation. He definitely does like mindfulness and what are ultimately the, you know, the types of, of things that will help you, you know, become more self-aware, you know, and, and more capable of Channeling you know that sort of like inner focus that you can achieve through through meditation practice, and you know he actually talks very eloquently about how that works for him at times, especially when you know he experiences injury in the ring you know and has to kind of absorb that and not and not become you know anxious or, or, or worried you know or, or get you know out of rhythm by taking punishment and that yeah that would be definitely. I think a benefit of mindfulness therapy, you know, mindfulness practice
0: yeah, it's um, really a great yeah. interview because it encapsulates everything his his childhood, his holding environment, being around individuals who struggled with mental illness at a young age, which kind of refocused his priorities in life. Um, kind of set the foundation for his his work ethic and what did he want to achieve. He talks about all the adversities. There's the interplay with brain injury, being prescribed medication to help with that. And just ultimately being someone who has a good head on their shoulders and is destined to become successful.
2: And uh, if I could just interject, I think one thing that our audience is really going to appreciate is exactly what you said about how Cyrus talks about being able to Live through the anxiety and kind of take the anxiety out of the situation. One thing I think our audience can relate to the most, or not, not the most. One big thing I think they, we can relate to is test anxiety. Uh, speaking personally, uh, especially like shout out to all my college guys. Or like I, I know for a fact that so many people, I, as also as a t- teaching assistant too, a lot of students come to, came to me with. You know, I suffer from test anxiety. I know the material really well. When I'm at home, I can take a practice test and I ace it. But come come test day, I just clam up. And I, I in some kids I have actual panic attacks in the middle of tests. And I think what's so great about this podcast is that you can see professional athletes kind of normalize themselves and normalize mental health. And one thing that I think we can all benefit from, especially our audience, is seeing, okay, what strategies do they take? What successful strategies do they take? to live through anxiety because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you're on the boxing ring, the baseball diamond, or in a classroom. Like, strategies to live through anxiety and take it, being able to get take that out of the equation yeah. can be so helpful to all normal, of situations.
1: I mean, one in five people in this country, at least, you know, uh, report uh, that they have a mental health challenge. And ultimately, that's probably much less than the actual number. And I'm not even sure to what extent that number really includes you know, those among us that have problems with addiction um, you know, and problems with you know, our, our bodies medically and physically that also cause uh, mental health symptoms. You know, so that number is probably much higher, but that's one out of every five people in this, in this country that we know for sure are suffering. Um, that's a lot of people. You know, that's anytime you're in a crowd of people, you can probably pick out at least a few that are actively getting mental health treatments.
0: Um, Yeah, that's why I love that we're talking to these athletes, like Ben said. It's out there, the mental illness is out there. Uh, Mental struggles are out there, not even necessarily diagnosable mental illnesses. And if we're able to have these conversations, we're able to bring it on individuals like Cyrus, high level athletes, people that are are fighting to be be in the Olympics, offensive linemen in the NFL and they're able to talk about these things they're able to talk about their own struggles and they're going to you'll you'll hear it concrete things that they've done over the years to to improve upon it because it's a journey you're going to get no one's born like this you're going to continue to to learn and grow and develop mindfulness skills gratitude skills coping skills things to combat anxiety depression Uh, Emotional issues, anything, and this is a great conversation we had. And uh, we're going to keep these interviews coming. Um, But Cyrus was was a great guest, and I appreciate him coming on. So, I hope you guys enjoy. Let's end the stigma. stigma. Continue the conversation. Do you feel? right. So uh, before we get to Cyrus, the reason we're gifted or blessed to speak with Cyrus from Pattinson is because uh, Dr. Amit Mystery hooked us up. He is a sports psychiatrist based out of the UK. He's actually the chair of the Royal College of Psychiatrists Sport and Exercise Psychiatry Special Interest Group. And this is someone who obviously I think we want to get on this podcast because we want to kind of compare and contrast what we do here in the States compared to what they do in the UK with regards to sports psychiatry. Armin and I know that being members of the international society of sports psychiatry, that the UK and Europe is a step ahead of America. And that's, that's oh, why yeah. we want to do this podcast, For sure. to elevate sports psychiatry as a whole, but oh, check yeah. it out. Dr. Emmett mystery has his own book. He just recently published called case studies in sports psychiatry. So go check that out. Um, hopefully we'll get him on the podcast here someday.
1: Check it out. We, we recognize that Europe is far ahead of us uh, in terms of, you know their sports psychiatry and psychology because after all, they don't say sports psychiatry or psychology. Um, they're sport S P O R T psychiatry and psychology, and so they understand um, that it's all you know just one unified, cohesive, collective effort. Yeah, and- the whole
0: sport thing. I had, a, I had a lecture in undergrad who always would say, use the term sport instead of sports, it kind of threw me off. But yeah, I, I think if you put it that way, it makes sense. But Doctor Mystery. He, he labels himself as a sports
2: psychiatrist. I see that on his LinkedIn. So he's one of us. Um, yeah, he is. So shout out to Dr. Mystery, who's been waiting his entire life to watch Liverpool lift the English Premier League Cup, who and they won past uh, weeks. So yeah, so Liverpool, I,
0: My my is a huge Liverpool fan, so he's excited. He'll never but, walk alone. Did you know that? Christian Pulisic, beast. He scored a goal for Chelsea. He did. He score
2: a goal for Chelsea. Yeah,
0: a couple of days ago that helped Chelsea beat Man City. Yeah. which ultimately gave Liverpool the trophy in the championship. So wow, America, so, we helped out. Doctor Bishop, <laughs> <Christian, laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> All right, guys. I love that. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy, enjoy this interview with Cyrus. Here's have fun. Man. Here we go. Let's do it. Um,
1: Now? How you doing?
0: I'm Cyrus all
3: right? Nice to meet you.
1: Nice to meet you too, I'm Armin Hoes. Uh, I'm Armin. on the Sports like Indeed. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, and uh, uh, thank we're you. Gr- we're very grateful that you joined us. No, thank you. Today. No, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. Yeah, man. Um, well, we want to be very, very mindful of your time, and, and you know, obviously we. To yeah, it's really past eleven time, there. So <laughs> the reason, um, you know, we wanted you to be on the show was because you know we understand that you know as an athlete um you've you have definitely had to to battle with a variety of mental health challenges you know just yeah, yeah. your way to the top you know battle, battling in the ring and stuff like that you know just the anxiety of obviously you know going into that type of competition uh-huh. you got to overcome a lot we, we have a strong appreciation we don't talk much About individual sports, just because it's 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 a unique thing. You know, it's not something I think Mm -hmm. most people really get a chance to experience. For a lot of people, do team sports, stuff like that. Tori and I both, you know, did several team sports, man. But to become really skilled at at an individual competition requires a different type of focus. You know.
3: Nothing.
0: Um, And
1: so, what we're trying to do as an organization is is have an appreciation for all sports, you know, including obviously the individual competitions and so we had to talk to the athletes that really had that, um, and, and that, you know, can really teach people what it's like, you know, and I think it's a window and an insight that you could give people that would just be really tremendous.
0: Um, we plan on doing a, um, at least one. Full episode on individual sports, maybe a string of episodes. We are planning on doing it with the lead up for the Tokyo Olympic Games um, because yeah. we haven't given that it's okay. just do. So our, our thoughts were to get you on and have interview you, however long it goes, and, and make that part of one of our episodes um, highlighting individual athletes.
3: No, thank you. I'm open to absolutely any any questions at all about uh, mental health, about mindset. Uh, yeah, cool, man.
1: Absolutely. Well, um, before before we get right in, I just want to kind of give you a, a brief brief background. Um, uh, us, I'm a psychiatrist, um, and you know, very much interested in what psychiatry can bring to sports, the sports community. Um, yeah. You know, and I, I feel like psychologists have always been, you know, a big part of what you guys do. You know, in terms of helping you guys. see maintain the right kind of focus and stuff like that but i feel like psychiatry and i think tori feels similarly can can bring another level not just because you know prescribing medicaid but i think it's the way we think about things and analyze things you know it's a way of of you know maybe kind of bringing a more comprehensive and holistic focus to sports competition and we want to kind of lay the foundation for what psychiatrists can bring to, to sports and to do that, you know, you have to partner with athletes and guys that have really been in those battles to help us understand, you know, and, and really yeah. bring us into your world, you know, mm-hmm. and and that's what this 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 whole thing is all about is trying to really most like an ambassador for the sports community in terms of you know the importance of mental health, the importance of really protecting you know preserving your mental health through these challenges of sports. Um, Definitely. You know, and so hopefully you could be one of your know, several athletes that, that are part of this Yeah. Uh, in terms of shaping No, I,
3: I'm very passionate about mental health as well. Uh, I've I've had a few experiences. A uh, number of, of members of my family have suffered from mental health, from like paranoid schizophrenia, uh, mm-hmm. like a bipolar, a schizoaffective. So there's a, a quite a, a broad range for my family. So I've had some experience growing up through that. So if I can help at all, I try to, obviously I've talked with Benjamin about, about losing the stigma and uh, encouraging people to speak and stuff. And I don't have any chance to, to try and to talk or
1: to try and bring light to the situation. So uh, that's great, you. man. That's great. Um, Well, you know, Tori uh, is actually the child psychiatrist of the team. Um, So he (laughs) brings a completely new and and interesting focus. Because, you know, child psychiatry and adolescent psychiatry, what it does and what Tori's taught me, actually, as as more of an adult psychiatrist, is that it starts, even though schizophrenia and all the things you described, you may see it only as an adult or a teenager. Yeah it all starts from childhood, you know? And, and we often talk about this concept uh, called the holding environment. Right. You know, and the holding environment is essentially like the the sort of team of people in your life from childhood that were part of you know, those early experiences that shaped your character. Yeah. You know, and obviously, to become a boxer, And those things we, you know, and you know, Tori can really, he's more the expert on this. Like, you know, these are the kinds of of building blocks when there's, you know, you saw were, you know, great athletes, you know, and and people that can, you know, do well in performance. You know, one question I have for you is when you go back, you know, to your early days and your family and stuff like that, like how you, yeah, you know, how do you feel like your your family supported your journey to becoming a boxer?
3: Uh, really, uh, boxing wasn't the, kind of my first uh, protocol, really, for a sport. Like, I wasn't academically profound in, in school. I uh, came from, a, like, I was younger, so I maybe had an effect, and I went through school, and I was getting into trouble, kicked out of school. Uh, getting in trouble with the police. Uh, and so I just wanted to kind of focus my energy in, and I was really interested in football. Uh, I played football for a number of years, at a good enough level. Uh, and then I, I just kind of, I wanted to kind of step step away from the team sport. I felt like I had more to give than uh, some of the other players didn't want to put as much effort in. Like the preparation to train or to win, uh so I kinda of felt a bit let down by that and I kinda of wanted to pursue I thought uh, boxing but was a bit more physical and it suited more more my personality so I kinda of brought it in and and after I started boxing my life completely changed and I was uh I left school with like very good GCSEs, uh A's Bs after getting kicked out and, and went on to do A levels which didn't really go to plan because I left the box. so And I didn't get in trouble with the police again. And so it kind of stirred my life in, in a much positive direction. That's cool. I love that story. Wow. So, That's
0: great. So you said you were kind of in and out of trouble as a kid. You found team sports as your initial outlet, but you didn't like the fact that some of your teammates didn't take it as seriously as you. So you gravitated towards boxing where you can kind of control it. And that essentially changed your life, it sounds like. Oh, definitely.
3: We're, we're being a solo sport. Like, what you put in, you get out. So, mm-hmm. I, I kind of threw myself into boxing and and I knew that I was going to get the rewards from it. And and you just get addicted to that kind of. I don't know. It's just the effort that you put in to get the, the rewards yeah. and the fruits of your labor and not having to rely on anyone but yourself. And that's kind of. I never that, looked
0: back. <laughs> yeah, that positive reinforcement. How old are you when you first boxed?
3: Uh, I think I started boxing around about 11, about 11 or 12.
0: So that's pretty young. Did you get support from your parents at all or is this something you've kind of found on your own? Uh, no, I, I, I got my mom and my dad both
3: agreed on it really. I know that I think my dad gravitated away a bit more than my mom because <laughs> my mom obviously, well your parents are a bit like caring, they don't want you to be get hurt or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I remember because my, with my dad being a tattoo artist, uh, one of his uh, customers was a boxing trainer who he, he was an amateur boxer, uh, and I and I had mentioned and I ended up getting lifts to the club in the gym with him, and that was that was my first
1: experiences. Nice. I'm just curious to know, like, as 11, 12 year old, so okay you you had the fights at school. Was this around that same time? Some of the... Uh, yeah, I mean- like,
2: cause
3: I had kind of, I think I was still playing, I was still playing football and I was boxing, but I didn't completely, there was a bit of an overlap where I was doing football and boxing and I, a and I, and I kind of decision came around 14 or 15 that I knew I had to either pick one or the other uh, because it started kind of, clashing and, and colliding with each other. So that's when I fully committed when I was like, both yeah, yeah. 15. But prior to that. And when you I was did that,
1: of, you actually your behavior you said improved, right? Yeah. After much, you like much, committed much to boxing.
3: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So interesting, right? And uh, it's crazy because wow, so it like, people fighting, think that yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was fighting in school I was uh fighting outside of school. It was more. it was more like violence, I think. Uh maybe it was how I felt or that I wasn't understood or maybe I was just getting in the wrong situations and being younger or, and that was most of most of the time what I was getting in the trouble for. Uh and then after I took boxing it obviously give us that discipline and give us the direction and and, and give us the rewards, and made, made us feel uh, good about myself. So obviously, your self esteem and uh, just gives you a direction in life, and, and ma- makes you
0: proud of who you are. That's great, man. That's awesome to hear. When did you find out that you were you could possibly make make a go at boxing as like a living or, or as an amateur?
3: Well, I, it was it was crazy, really, because when I first started all i wanted to do was to become like a northeast champion uh, which was just my little area with my county uh, mm. and that's, that was that was all my aspirations we were really starting out and i think i had one my first nine fights undefeated uh, and i was and then i kind of just escalated from right there on uh, i was winning area titles within my first few years after I committed properly and then it just kind of spiralled out of there. I remember winning my first as a senior ABA title in the, for the northeast of England uh, and then I had moved on and fought the current Commonwealth champion, the JB number one representative who was mm. uh, looking to go to the Olympic Games and no one gave us a chance and I uh, beat him. Uh, unanimously uh, and it was streamed all over no one gave us a chance and then I got trials for England got on got on JB won the Tri-Nations and this was all within a year and it just kind of and I just completely surpassed what are my expectations of what I thought I was going to do or what I expected Mm -hmm. to do what year was this this was 2015 okay so five years ago now uh so that's why like everything, you kind of have to change your, your, your goal posts and for your targets and mm-hmm. stuff. Cause once you achieve them, it's, it's hard <laughs> to find that motivation and, and that drive to, to go on when you, when you achieve or surpass what you, what you wanted yeah, to achieve. Do uh,
1: you so, feel like team sports and having a lot of other, other guys to achieve your goals, do you feel like that kind of held you back a little bit sometimes?
3: Uh, yeah, yeah. I just thought cause with his training for boxing as well while I was playing football, I remember it just gives us a bit more discipline to prepare. And I remember having like the, the hunger to win and the the hunger and drive for success and stuff. I think some of my, my teammates were just a little bit, uh, weren't, weren't as hungry or as determined. So mm-hmm. if we we're getting, if we're facing any adversity in in the football match, or if we're getting beat one one nil or two nil, it felt like that had give up before they should have really. And when I was trying to, and you can't can't carry a full team or one person. It's eleven players are all importantly equal as each other. Uh, so that's when I found I felt I was more suited to boxing because if I had failed or if I'd done something wrong, I'd, I could I could. Believe myself and be honest with myself. Yeah, limit the variables. Yeah, definitely.
1: What position on the, the football team? What position were you most successful at?
3: Center back. So I was defender. I uh, was captain, aggressive, always in for tackles, always trying to uh, like
0: shield from people scoring and mm-hmm. just uh, <laughs> yeah. I, so you, you were attracted to physicality. It sounds like yeah, you'd like yeah. to get. Was soccer physical enough for you? Is that another reason yeah, why?
3: Yeah, it, it, was, it, it could be physical, but it's obviously not as, the, as physical as what the boxing was. Yeah. And, and, I, and I enjoyed the physicality of it, where uh, especially being a defender, yeah. where you just kind of get stuck in. And, and I think a lot of the other players, kind of from what my age group and stuff, weren't really that. Uh, how would you say? But of my mindset, are a bit more timid. Mm-hmm. So I got a lot of success from
0: being being a bit bold and being yep. a bit braver. Where so, do you where do you think that came from? That that aggressiveness, that wanting to be bold. Did you have any like older brothers growing up or siblings? How did you get yeah. that as a kid? Yeah, uh, I
3: don't really know where it came from. I don't know if it was inherited, mm-hmm. or I like <laughs> to say if, I, if I've been if it's been nurtured. Or if it's nature, like you say. Um uh, I've got an older brother, uh, he's two years old and we are really, really close and we've had a like a very, very close relationship. So uh, obviously growing up we both uh kind of went through the same situations and scenarios together. So it, it strengthens your
0: relationship with his brothers, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. we did an episode on michael jordan recently and he had a brother that was about a year older and they always always competed against each other were you competitive with your older brother
3: uh not really with my older brother no (laughs) strangely enough like he 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 boxed for a little bit but he he went he was more artistic so he he kind of followed my dad's footsteps of he went to university and stuff and became a title artist uh so he was, he was more, he wasn't as physical. Like, I
1: don't think I was always climbing, of playing football or, yeah. You
2: know,
1: uh, and, and you wonder, no, that's so interesting though, because you wondered to what extent the fact that you didn't necessarily have a rival or yeah. household, or did, that might have inspired you to, to be cool with going into individual sports, you know, as a profession, as opposed to sports, you know, like if you guys had actually together a lot and stuff.
3: Yeah, yeah. We're, uh, now we're very supportive of each other and
0: we're just very, very similar but very different as mm-hmm. well. You you mentioned earlier that you, with regards to like goal setting, you kept having to move the goalpost further once you achieve your goals. Where's the goalpost at now? <laughs> well, it was for Tokyo Olympics, but mm-hmm. it's kind of
3: been changed for with the professional scenes being a bit more uh, attractive so it's just kind of push it as far as I can go. Like I've, obviously the goals is at the very top of becoming a world champion and stuff. But you've you just try to break things down a bit. So I'm just trying to take it one step at a time. And I just I don't know. I don't really I don't really know if I've got a a physical uh, goal in place at the moment. It's just to just try and see how far I can go. All
0: right. I wanted to know. Um, and when you hear the stories of a lot of combat athletes, boxers, and may fighters, it obviously in any Olympic hopeful, it obviously takes a, a certain amount of fuel and fire to, yes. um, reach the professional levels, um, reach the Olympic levels. you don't have a whole lot of fanfare, at least early on. So I, want, I was wondering like, what fuels you, where's your fire come from? Um, uh.
3: To make myself proud and to be happy, and to make my family proud, and to have security financially, and uh, and mm-hmm. obviously just to feel happy and content with myself. Uh, I think that's and be be happy. Really, I think now as a as a culture and stuff, I think everyone's chasing things sometimes, and we we'll all kind of forget about what the biggest uh, success and achievement in life is not to be happy in, but that kind of just kind of gets pushed out of the way sometimes. And I think that's the most
0: important thing in life. So that's an incredibly uh, well thought out response. When did you come to that kind of enlightenment, if you will? Like, is this something yeah. you always wanted to, to achieve or is it something new? Um, no, no, definitely. Uh, for a long time,
3: uh, we just even same family members and stuff having, having the stresses and, and breakdowns and stuff give, kind of give us that outlook as well and, and then as I've went through boxing as well through the years of boxing some experiences where I've had very hard experiences and upsetting experiences and then you, you, you have to remind yourself you actually, I mean, I've had it as well where I've had incredibly great uh, experiences and I haven't been that happy and I thought well I've, I've achieved something that I thought was going to make us happy and it hasn't made us that happy
0: uh, and that's when it, it kind of gives you a bit more food for thought Wow, so you mentioned that you, what you saw in your family amongst your family uh, with their struggles with mental illness you mentioned before family members with different diagnoses like paranoid schizophrenia bipolar You saw. it sounds like you saw a lot of chaos correct me if I'm wrong and that kind of change your priorities with regards to wanting to cherish moments of just being happy and content and and, and secure yeah Yeah, definitely so I I want you to feel comfortable sharing as much as you want to share was it any anyone in your immediate family struggling with these types of illnesses is it more extended family how how close were you to these individuals how closely did you see the, the maybe a psychotic episode
3: yeah, yeah, we've seen it very close. Uh, I mean, like living in the same household and if it was just me and my brother, uh, you say it firsthand and you all kind of left in, to deal with that situation from a young age. So that kind of makes you grow up faster and it, it makes you, your mindset change because you probably, a lot of people wouldn't see them sorts of things that early on in life. Maybe it's not in life in de- in general. So when you say first, like first hand, and and a lot of the pressure gets kind of put on to you to to deal with the situation or whatever. It's uh, it, it does. It, I wouldn't change any of it because it's made as who I am today, and I'm happy with who I am. Uh, but
0: it it is a challenging situation to go through, definitely. It's great to hear that the things that you learned from these challenges, you took these as challenges, and you matured from that. And it sounds like you're right, It polished who you are today and made you who you are today. And more importantly, than being like a, a boxer, your priorities, your mindset is something that will allow you to become successful in any path you choose, because your, your goals are, are, I think, common goals that everyone wants to have. And it sounds oh, like your your work ethic is is something to be honored for. Thank you, definitely, man. I have uh, two performance related
1: questions. We don't, you know, we don't really often have the the benefit of someone in, in a combat sport to like really talk to about their experiences. Um, so when you're talking about your preparation outside of the ring, um, you know, I'm. Really Really curious to know, like, what for you, you have to put into your brain in order to feel like very confident going into the ring that you're going to come out. And then the second question I had is really, you know, when you're in the ring, you know, it's showtime and you're there. Um, you know, and you feel like maybe this is when things aren't going your way. You know, you, I don't know, yeah. maybe you, you got hit. And you know you're not really so so sure about how it's going to go. Have you ever had a ability to kind of bounce back from that and and maintain a certain level of confidence and resilience through that experience to still get a win Mm -hmm. in spite of that? And more about you know how that goes, how to think through in order to make that happen. So I know it's a lot, but you know that first question really about outside the ring in terms of preparing for you know a, a really confident success, how that goes. Like you say for the first for the first
3: question, the preparation, uh, it's just like the tick- ticky boxes. It's kind of things that you've associated with, your, with success that's worked before. Uh, and I kind of, is isn't like an, a bit more of when I was a, a younger athlete, I would say maybe five or four years ago when I was more inexperienced, do you think by doing these things, I'm going to get the win, where which isn't really uh, your control. So, you've, so it's through time and maturity of uh, experiences and stuff where you learn to control the controllables. And just because you you're doing given all the sacrifices and yeah, your training's going to plan and you've made the way, it doesn't mean that you will necessarily win. And that's it's a hard thing yeah. to to actually to realize, but. It gives you more freedom and, and it helps you relax a lot more. And, um, so now I just, when you take, take them boxes and you go in and you think, it's still, I've controlled everything I, I can control and I could control. Uh, now I've just got to go in and, and you've just got to say to yourself, I'm going in, I'm going to do my best. And, and that's, to be honest with yourself now, and I'm happy with that now because I know if, when I go in and I compete, if, I, if I'm doing my best, then I've done my best. And uh, I know I can't ask any anything more of myself. How, how old are you, Cyrus?
0: Uh, 26. De- definitely a mature 26-year-old. Man.
1: Yeah, man, that's pretty incredible. Uh, but it, t- wow. it
3: took a lot to get to that stage. I mean, <laughs> having many heartbreaks and stuff in, in the sport and disappointments and stuff kind of... Uh, <laughs> Gives you that robustness and resilience, and as well, doesn't it? No doubt. So,
1: yeah, absolutely, and, and that's why I was going mean, to. It flows really well. I mean, into this this other question about you know these the performance in the past where maybe you didn't really really know what the outcome was yeah, going to yeah. be because maybe you felt like you were losing at one point in time, and, and, and you know, yeah, I mean,
3: that. I remember making one of my TV debuts in the World Series of Boxing. And I remember uh, this was one of my local fights, one of my rare ones that was local, and I had fought a, a man a, boy, well, a lad from America on live TV. And I remember winning the first round. I think, you no, know, I think it was even on points. And this fight was over five rounds, and it was uh, two. I think it was we were going in the third round, and I got split above my eye, so the blood was going in my eye, and I just kind of was. On that kind of naive mindset of thinking, just because I'm, I'm acting win this fight on uh, strength and fitness and mind strength and stuff to just power through. And just thought I would win just doing that alone. And then emotions kind of get a hold of you. And when I got caught, I kind of thought where this kind of inner, the inner chimp comes in from. <laughs> what it was like as a kid in, when you're playing football in school thinking oh if i'm gonna go out i'm gonna go out on my shield i want out. like i'm gonna rather than being focused and letting your emotions and the emotions get the better of you, and you you think you you're just gonna go to war and that's not the way you could have done it the smart way and i ended up walking on a couple of big shots and Ended up getting tow- the towel came in and stopped, and I was absolutely devastated because obviously my my hometown everyone had it on like streams and on the TV, it was in all the pubs, it was on the restaurants, all like everyone that I knew was watching it, and there was hundreds of people that came down to watch, and so that was uh, very difficult to to come back from that but but I didn't, I'm still here. Yeah, so that mm-hmm. was my first experience anyway. Oh, wow. I love it, man. That's,
0: that's good stuff. Wow. So, yeah, I wanted to follow up on that. How, how long ago was that? Uh, about four and a half, yeah. Okay. So, so I was early on on J. Okay, so that was early on. And was that the first time in your boxing career where you felt that, or you have you faced that type of adversity? Um, I
3: think that was... Probably one one of, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that was one of the
0: major adversity. yeah. So you mentioned in that moment, you mentioned from that moment, or at least part of that moment was you noticed that your emotions took over in that instant? Yeah, definitely. And definitely. you kind of just went after it. Have you developed over the years any strategies you mentioned earlier that you like to control everything, you like to practice as much as possible, put in the hours? Have you developed yeah. any any strategies to keep your emotions in check to kind of better handle those situations? Yeah, um, I, th- I think
3: the experiences that I've had where my emotions have got the better out of us, nine times out of ten, have kind of been a negative result. And I think that in itself is kind of a total experience that yeah, when these emotions do arise, then you've, you've got to, to settle them and stay focused. And, and we get taught like my breathing techniques and being in mindful and being in, in your bubble in the
0: zone
3: mm-hmm. uh, and just keeping that focus. But it's something like it, it's got to be trained as well. So, I mean, you have it and yeah. you, you can't be expected to do it in a fight if you can't do it in training. Yeah. So if we've been just sparring
0: stuff. and stuff. so and, spe- and work. Oh, I'm interested in hearing more about that. So you mentioned that you have breathing techniques, different mindfulness techniques that you practice. Uh, do you practice these yeah, every yeah. day? You and what, can you give us like uh, a specific breathing exercise or one specific thing that you do?
3: Uh, so through time on on JB and uh, uh, my psychologist, that we've got on JB, uh, well introduced us to uh, headspace and stuff. Very beneficial uh. for me. Probably not so much in the fight, but maybe it's outside when you when your mind does mm-hmm. uh, take over and get busy and you can't just kind of because you're always, it's either, I think it's like you're thinking either anxious about the future or, or you're yeah, a bit more regretful about the past or whatever and it just kind of separates them yeah. and you focus on here and now and the things that only actually matter and the thing that's only, that mm-hmm. is uh, relevant and real, which is the present
1: isn't it? So
0: yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, man.
1: Headspace. Headspace. You mentioned Headspace. I think Talkspace is one that Michael Phelps promotes yeah. and uh, the, the, the Calm app that LeBron James promotes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are good things. Waking man. waking
0: Up is another good meditation mindfulness app. Okay. So you you mentioned though that it's more so been helpful for your personal life outside the ring. It sounds like at this point, you're once you step in the ring, you've done it so many times now, practice and matches that you're in complete control uh
3: it, it's a battle it's it's not always smooth sailing uh i was very happy i think it was just before the COVID situation we had like an international test match training camp and we had some very good spawn came over from different parts of europe and i remember one of the the guys that was spawning He uh, caught us with some good shots and stuff and i was kind of on the back foot in that round. And, and I remember having the urges that I had, had in the younger stages of that experience in that fight that came in where it's, it's a bit like a wounded animal kind of, where it's like a fight, or flight kind of. And it's, it's about settling down them emotions. And, and I had settled them, settled them down and I had came back and I had won the rest of the, the test match. So when I got out, I was, I was really happy happy to think that that was an opportunity where in the past it has uh, escalated and i managed to de-escalate it stay focused and turn it around so which is a difficult thing to do in in
0: a in a fight (laughs) absolutely that's a great example of just learning from your experience and you were in that situation before and then you developed awareness of that feeling you could you could feel that oh, no, I think I might be kicking into fight or flight. Let me calm down. Yeah. Let me use one of my coping skills. And you went back yeah. right out there. You, and I feel like awesome. an individual sport, a combat sport, going back out there to get punched at, that's difficult. So, man, it's, it's just great that you're able to learn from kind of all your experience in that situation. Yeah.
3: You mentioned no, before
0: you. that um, you your team has a psychologist on staff. Yeah, yeah. Nice. So, is that something uh, something that's been helpful for you, having worked closely with a sports psychologist? Um, uh,
3: really beneficial, like in personal life and in sport. It's uh, helped us grow as an athlete and as a person. I think uh, to be introduced to to breaking things down and whether it's emotional or if it's fact, and kind of differentiating them too, and controlling the controllables and uh, just focusing on little wins and head spaces and
0: mm-hmm.
3: and just little topics like that kinda it's made us get even more out of out of my life M- made us more content and happy and made helped us achieve more as well so it's uh definitely been beneficial I've been able to help some of my family members so i've I've managed to get a few of i managed to get my brother on the headspace mentioned it to my dad and stuff and and they're benefiting from it as well, so. Pay it forward. You've got it. Yeah, paying forward. Awesome. I it forward. It definitely helps
0: in that stigma.
1: No, nah, definitely. Definitely. That's awesome, man. So what I was going to say, I just wanted to know, you mentioned you have like a training staff, right? Uh, like a coaching yeah. kind of group that yeah. helps you out. Those are the guys that are in your corner during the the, the fights. Yeah. So, my question is: You know, I, I know very much, you know, because I, I, I had personal experience, like the value of a coaching staff for a team sport. And you play team sports. Is it different with an individual sport uh, at that level, the professional level, like in terms of the value of the coaching staff and training staff, or is it pretty much as important, you know, in terms of to be um, in boxing? Uh, I think
3: I think the all important you've got to be able to to be able to trust your coach's opinion and stuff and even more so when it's going to be detrimental to you I mean if if you get something wrong in football or in tennis or something uh, you, you might lose the match but you don't necessarily get hurt and in boxing you, you can't it does hurt if you do get something wrong so uh, so when you're going back to the corner and you're thinking, I need to get on the back foot and I need to start throwing my jab more. And you go back your your corner and your coach is saying, no, you need to be on the front foot, you need to be doing the pressure. And, you, and your mind's thinking, well, I, I don't agree with it like, from that perspective. And you've, you you follow what you, your coach is saying because he's seeing it from a different perspective. And that's, yeah. that's a hard thing to do. And you've got to have that trust yeah. with, with your Good coach in that, in that kind of aspect.
0: Do you, do you feel like, with you mentioned before, some, some sparring partners? Do you feel like in your gym where you train, is that like a team atmosphere, a family atmosphere? Do you have a specific gym that you train at?
3: Yeah, we're all kind of based in Sheffield, which is a city uh, where the JB Institute, Institute of Sport is, where all the boxers go on Monday to Friday or Monday to Thursday and we're all training together. And it's like a family, we've got like, it's like a team. But it's a solo sport, kind of, because we're all going through it together. I mean, we'll, we'll go around the world to compete uh, together. Uh, so we'll watch each other's fights and everyone's doing the same thing. We know we know who's... Everyone's had to do the runs. Everyone's had to do the S&Cs. Everyone's had to make weight. Everyone's had to do... So even though we're doing it by ourselves, we've got people that are doing it with us as well. So that, it gives you a, a bit more of a boost... When, you, when you're getting up at 7 o'clock in the morning to yeah. run and there's another 20-year 20, 20 squads that
0: are running with you. Uh, it it helps and it helps motivate you definitely. Nice. Good so for you, morale. You kind of get the best of both worlds. You get the team, family atmosphere, but you also when you compete, you're just out there relying on yourself. And also at the same time, you you mentioned you've fought for Great Britain. So you do you take a, additional pride and motivation from that?
3: Uh yeah, definitely. Uh, I still try to, to pinch myself and remind myself, because over, over time, kind of it, it wears it wears it doesn't feel what it did at the start, and that's why you've got to kind of be gracious and, and be grateful and remind yourself and keep things fresh and keep things. try to like take them five minutes a day. To, to count your blessings and stuff mm-hmm. and uh yeah. gratitude
1: exercises definitely yeah, you've got go. to Man. and look I, I i have one kind of pretty good question i have to ask you because i feel like you know i don't know when, when i'm going to have this opportunity again and you know when i think about res- resilience is a theme that we really Care a lot about. it's kind of like one of the cornerstone themes that we try to, to help people understand about sports and what it can provide, you know, to your yeah. life. And also just life in general, I mean, you're going through life, like, you know, how you bounce back, including mental health challenges, it's resilience, you know, that's the key. And there's no other sport for me, other than honestly, well, on the team sports side, it's American football. But on the individual uh-huh. sports side, it's all definitely boxing and like UFC, where it's like the strongest demonstration of resilience, you know. And so I just yeah. want to ask, like, when for me as a fan, when I when I see on displays the strongest of resilience is when someone gets knocked down, you know, or is in yeah. those kind of positions in the ring, yeah, yeah, and then they actually not only get back up, but then they end up winning the fight. You know, or they went around, or whatever. Yeah, um, that's, uh, that's amazing. Every time I've seen it, have you ever been in that kind of situation or seen it? And then, what, what were you thinking? What went into that? You know, how did that go? Uh, I,
3: I think I haven't got as many kind of examples and experiences for like the one fight kind of situation. It's been more, more so of when I'd done like my five year timeline for like my highest moments and then my lowest moments and you kind of connect the dots. It's like I've had my lowest setbacks. I've always just became before a lot of my greatest achievements. Uh, So even when I've been at rock bottom or when I've had low moments in the sport, uh, I've been resilient and I've continued and uh, it kind of, I had explained it to my psychologist as well, down JB, that some days when, if you had come after a loss, or if you had if you had been injured or whatever, and you're going to training some days, and you're truly, truly, like, heartbroken to go in and train, and don't want to do it you think about anything else to do, rather than do that. and But you do it anyway, and you just kind of, and yeah. it's just kind of, it's, I think if you, I, I don't really know what it is. I think you just kind of <laughs> just do do it. And that's, well, that's probably what resilience is, isn't yeah. it? You're not it you know, then effective. Yeah. yeah
0: you just going, going back to the basics. You practice these mindfulness techniques, the, the gratitude techniques, like you mentioned. And if you just always go back to those basics, um, it sounds like you knew that you were going to be okay. And yeah, I think this is a great example of, and I, we're, we haven't even asked you about how you stay fit like physically fit but you're, you <laughs> yeah. are, pr- are pretty much outlining how to stay mentally fit and mentally well yeah oh, yeah so this is a great story i think for our listeners for sure
3: that's uh, for me I, I think that's the priority really i think i don't think you can be in any physical shape if if you're not in a uh, mentally good state of mind i think your mind is definitely the priority and Body and physicalities and stuff that, that I think they come after. I think you need to have them factors and then basic ingredients. Uh, and definitely your mind's a priority for me.
0: That's great. All right, so, um, let's see. I don't know if I have many more questions. I, I guess, have you ever had concussions through the sport? I have actually. Uh,
3: I had one, I've literally just started declining because I had a. I suffered a really bad concussion. I was on amitriptyline for a while. Uh, I went up to the highest dose. I was on eighty milligram, uh, and I had a decline because I had for, had really bad symptoms. I, I had headaches and sickness, like nausea. Uh, couldn't train. Emotionally unstable. So I kind of experienced it all, and that went on for wow. quite some time as well. Dude, do
1: you mind- do you mind if I asked uh, who prescribed that? Was it a was it a, a medical doctor or a psychiatric doctor?
3: Uh, I went to see a specialist uh, in London. And he was like a head specialist. Mm-hmm. I think he yeah, was
1: like a... Yeah, uh, neurolog- like a neurologist or something. Maybe. Yeah, a yeah.
0: neurologist. Yeah, 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 definitely was a so neurologist. You mentioned you were having, a, it sounds like post-concussive symptoms. You were having like headaches and nausea and maybe dizziness. And he prescribed the amitriptyline for you to, to treat those symptoms. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, nice. And cool. did, it, did it work out well for you? Like, was it helpful? Oh,
3: very helpful. Uh, obviously, uh, these kind of techniques and stuff and these factors that we've just been talking about, may mm-hmm. kind of came more important through, through them, through that kind of period. And that's mm-hmm. where maybe I've, I've stuck with them even more so ever since. And, uh, and most of all, my sleep went benefited so much as well because they do make you quite uh, tired and mm-hmm. uh, druggy. Uh, and I, my so my sleep was used to be shocking. I was very unstable. So yeah, like, my my sleeping pattern and stuff. I was getting. I was getting. I've had fantastic sleep I've ever, okay. ever since. Of, of all,
0: Well, we do a whole episode on sleep, so we know the importance of that. And post post concussion, that that could last anywhere from like up to a year. So we, I imagine that's yeah. that was a difficult process mm-hmm. um, to overcome. Yeah. That. So it's good to hear that you're doing better. How long ago? was your last concussion uh, the concussion
3: happened i think it was 2018 okay and it was a similar situation to that first fight on tv i was winning the fight i was in, in it and I, I remember getting caught with one shot prior in the in the round and it felt like someone had kind of gave you a strong electric shock because it, it kind of caught us on the top of their head and I remember going back to the corner and that's when their emotions came up again and of the fight and flight. And, and in my mind, I went, I'm going to fight. <laughs> uh, the emotion gets in the way and you think, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for it really instead of boxing clever. I'm thinking, I'll just buy some time, box smartly, be on the back foot, get some get some mm-hmm. rest and try and box around rather than just go straight in for the killing i got hit with another big shot that i didn't
0: see coming that's that's a tough situation because to do that even normally without getting a shot to the head is difficult but i imagine when you get concussed you're not working with your your full brain part of your brain is is disrupted so it's definitely difficult to kind of mentally pull yourself out of the fight or flight when you have a concussion so that's that's what makes I think combat sports, uh, American football, boxing, such difficult sports. I think for athletes at times because of the physical hazards and, yeah. and the risk for injury, and in those sports and risk for brain injury is really high. Life-threatening sometimes. Life, it's amazing. Yeah. So after a concussion,
1: there's obviously this whole syndrome that you've experienced. It's not just like the headache. It's what the dizziness, the sleep problems, the irritability—I mean, it's a bunch of different things you go through. Yeah, yeah. Um, as well as physical symptoms too. We were thinking—is there a way you could describe a little bit more about what that experience was like?
3: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was so—I didn't understand what, what like the depth, the true depth of a concussion was. When people mentioned the concussion, I thought, "Oh, you get a bit of a bad head." And uh, maybe a bit of dizziness. It might last, uh, it might just last a couple of days. Uh, I didn't really know the, the, the full spectrum of what a concussion uh, could lead to. I mean, I remember so early on, I was so sensitive to light and noise. That I felt sick quite a lot of the time. Uh, really bad migraines and he- headaches, uh, fatigue. And then later on became the emotional side of the ability, like you say, and the highs and the more lows, and you can't really put a finger on why you feel so terrible. And that was, that was a hard thing to do, uh, to go through, because really it wasn't like, you, it was a pinpoint thing that you could say if, if someone had died or if this had happened, or you could say, this is why I feel so terrible. Uh, so it was it was hard to kind of fully comprehend and understand
2: mm-hmm. why
3: why you felt so bad uh, for for such a long time, and that was a bit of a difficult thing. Like, but uh, like you say, resilience and you get through it and better now than ever. So, <laughs> so, so right.
0: I, I, I'm curious to know during that time, you obviously couldn't box. Were you still going to the gym, trying to still be a part of that JB family?
3: Yeah, yeah. I uh, I was still I was still going down to train. Uh but I remember early on I, I couldn't train if you had symptoms. So mm-hmm. I had to kind of uh, I had to have a bit of time off and then the build is back up with my training as long as I was symptom free.
0: Oh, okay. So you guys had a specific program because we know that brain rest ultimately is the number one thing for any concussion yeah um, in time essentially so they they had a specific program that you would kind of slowly tape yourself back
2: yeah,
3: yeah, definitely, and I, like it's it's crazy how it can affect you and I watched the documentary not too long ago on on Netflix about the american uh football star was it hernandez uh, yeah yeah. Yeah, and I heard they mentioned like his gland inside his brain, which was si- si- significantly reduced, or and could have led the, these actions or these things through repetitiveness of concussions and stuff. So it's uh <laughs> it is crazy. <laughs> yeah,
0: does that does that weigh on you at all, knowing um, knowing information like that? Like if you you do have repetitive concussions that can put you at risk for CTE yeah uh, I
3: try not really think about it um, I don't really think about it unless I have which I haven't uh, had them uh, something so significant since so I don't really try to ponder too much on uh, the risks of boxing uh, I know it is very dangerous and we see a lot. Of, there's always people in the news now, more so now as well, that people are collapsing and dying in the sport, and and that's a bit of a worrying thing, really. So you it kind of reiterates why you need to look after and be so careful with your body, and and why when their fight or flight situations come in, you need to be extra smart and
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> you
3: can't just go yeah. guns
1: blazing. You and, know, honestly, stars. I mean the reality is you, you probably have a good reason not to be too concerned. I mean, or at least as concerned as your, your colleagues because you have a great program right for your mental health already yeah. in place. You know, one of the things that, that we appreciate so much about, about your story and your journey is how you've really taken advantage of all aspects of, of mental health and and mental and wellness, you know, mental health and wellness and the different things you can do to improve those things to safeguard those things and to enable those things to you in battle and and outside of the court, you know, and, and that's yeah. the most protective thing in addition to the great family that you had growing up mm. and how they support, supported you then and could support you now. I mean, these are the, the ingredients to success. Yeah, so, definitely. Yeah, we appreciate it, man.
3: No, thank you. And just staying healthy, isn't it? And, uh, just minimizing the damages and controlling the controllables like we will yep. <laughs> so uh,
0: control the controllables that's a huge tip for for everyone out there right now if we all get <laughs> just try to put all our focus on the things we can control i think things would be better but yeah just like armin said you're, you're you've worked with a psychologist a brain specialist you you do these gratitude exercises mindfulness ex- exercises you practice you have that family environment at the gym and also at home yeah, you, thank have, you. you have every yeah. You have a a good foundation.
3: And I would encourage everyone to if they don't know what mindfulness is or what a gratitude session consists of, and these like a few little things, and they can take fifteen to twenty minutes of your day, and they can change everything, mm-hmm. and have such a detrimental mm-hmm. like effect on everything. So I think it's it's very important for for someone for everyone to look into
0: that and that's that knowledge i wish, and information i wish i could give to everyone <laughs> so that's awesome cyrus pattinson so why don't you tell our listeners um where they can find you maybe on if you want to give you out your social media instagram twitter uh let us know what's in store uh
3: Cyrus Ramon Pattinson, uh, if, if you probably just put that in, and then on the Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, it'll be on there. And, uh, if anyone wants to send a message or has, wants to have a question about boxing, about life, mental health, about any information that could possibly uh, help with, feel free to send us a message at all. All
0: right. all right. Do you, do you have any uh, fights coming up? and uh, none at the moment because we're still in
3: in a bit of lockdown where it's yeah. been released slowly i'm back at camp tomorrow and we're starting the phase two of the train which is i think we'll have contact back so we start sparring this week which will be quite nice. refreshing nice
0: have you uh, how long have you gone yeah. without sparring it's been
3: about three or four months oh. <laughs> and my nose my nose has never been so straight and unswalled <laughs> so hey, silver
0: linings i love how you and, always uh, had the silver linings and uh in my, in my eyes my cauliflower yards have went down
3: but it's it's gonna it's gonna start and get back bust up. so
0: <laughs> i can't
3: get used to it too much can it's gonna feel good yes.
0: it's great to meet you cyrus and uh Lovely to meet you. we're in your corner man we'll be rooting for you and uh keep always. in touch for sure no, definitely. Thank you very much for the opportunity love. and
3: lovely to meet you both. Absolutely, man. Good luck to you, man. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Absolutely, man. Take care. Amazing. I'll see you Bye bye. Uh,